The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel. I'm the host for this podcast, and my husband, Steve Siegel, is the producer of the podcast. Just a reminder to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star rating. That way, when people search Google for help with addiction, our podcast will come up. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and give those videos a thumbs up and ring the bell so that you get notified when we put up a new one. Today's episode is episode number 319. And today we have an interview. Um, we have interviewed this lovely lady before, but she's got way more to tell us about what she's been doing in the area of addiction. This is Dr. Tracy Strawberry. She's an international speaker, published author, CEO, and wife of baseball legend Daryl Strawberry. After many years of battling addiction, alcoholism, and other life-controlling issues, Tracy surrendered her life to Jesus Christ and experienced a radical life transformation through the power of God and the process of change. By sharing her testimony openly with biblical solutions and practical application, Tracy is a highly sought-after international speaker with requests to deliver her powerful messages of how to experience lasting change, reinventing yourself, experiencing God in the most difficult of times, overcoming your past, and becoming the very best you that you can. So without further ado, I'm excited to get more of her story. Let's talk to Dr. Tracy Strawberry. Dr. Tracy Strawberry, thank you so much for being willing to be on the podcast again and sharing your story and updating us. Joni, it's my honor and privilege. Thanks for having me. You're so kind. Now, for just for our listeners, um, give us your background. I know that you struggled with um, alcohol. And give us your background as to what led up to that, what your childhood was like. And yeah, tell us how that happened. Absolutely. I struggled with drug addiction and alcohol so severely, Joni, that I lost custody of my three beautiful sons. I had to sign over custody to them. And um, my story, I think, differs a little bit from some people as in this aspect is I was not raised in a dysfunctional home. I had a loving mother and father. I had a very stable upbringing. They even taught me about God and our faith. My background, my faith background is Jesus Christ. I was raised in a Christian home. But there was an event, Joni, that took place when I was eight years old that would change the trajectory of my life, which I did not realize until later on in life. And that was, I was, um, I was raped by my neighbor um, across the way. And people say, you know, molested or whatever the case may be. And some people, when they say molested, they don't know how to define that. So that's why I use that word because it's true. Right. That would change things forever. This man would go on to tell me, and as pedophiles do, he was the neighborhood pedophile, you know, I'll kill your parents if you tell, I'll burn down your house, all these things. You believe these things as a child, eight years old, how do you process something like that? He's a you grown up. You're supposed to believe him. Absolutely. And you don't have the capacity to know any different. 
So fast forwarding, that would just change my entire relationship with my parents. They were sowing good seeds. This bad seed comes in and starts to overcome and choke out the good seeds of how I'm raised. All the good things that I know now is conflicting with this evil, this severe violation, this deep betrayal that I don't know what to do with. Did your parents have any idea? They had no idea that this had taken place. Now, what they did know was that I changed and I completely changed, but I would never tell them why. And they even know now that we have had conversations as a grown up, they knew that something had happened, but I was keeping the secret. So I want somebody to hear this right now. Don't keep your secret any longer. Well, and if you're a parent... And you see this type of, I can only imagine it had to be a radical change in you. And if you see that in a young person or in your own child, you need to address it. Yes. And an important thing, and I work with parents a lot because I've been in crisis ministry now for over 21 years, is what I see very effective and work very well is to not just sit down and ask your child what is wrong, regardless of the age, create a very safe place, overemphasize the safety, whatever it is, whoever told you that you were going to be in trouble, whoever maybe threatened you or harmed you, just know that I love you no matter what, and that whatever it is, please tell us so we can help you. And then parents be ready to hear whatever is being spoken and said, no judgment, um, be mindful of our reaction as a parent and just say, thank you so much for telling me. We don't have all the answers. We don't have all the help plan, but this is the start and give your loved one a huge hug and then work on the details of the plan of help from there. Exactly. And rather than like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. You know, just Thank you for telling us all of this and for sharing this with us. And then when the child is gone, then you can blow your top and get angry about it. But um, as much as I know that I would um, probably the first thought that would enter my mind, and I apologize because um, this I know goes against everything you teach, my first thought would be murder. That would be the first thought that would probably enter my mind, but that's not something that I would want to share with uh, my child or my grandchild or any child, you know? Yes, that's correct. We are human. And when you hear something that's happened to your child, that is a natural reaction. But there's a difference between what we feel and how we respond. Yep. We want to make sure we respond and not react and to shed tears and just grab onto your loved one and show that expression of sorrow. I'm so sorry that happened to you um, is, is a very healthy response. And then as you said, Joni, to reiterate, then you share the anger, you share all these other things behind closed doors while you are able to just kind of take it in and take a moment. It's okay to step back and say, we don't have all the answers right now, but we are going to pursue them. We are going to work this out and we're going to get you the help that you need. You know, I just think that that, that, you know, if, if we didn't say anything else on the podcast and I'm not done, we're not done talking this whole point of being so very observant um, of your child. And when you see, a major change in personality or your child becomes very withdrawn, whereas previously they weren't, it needs to be a very much of a red flag. And 
addressing it, whether you do it on your own or whether you go to your minister or however you address it, don't let it go by. Don't, don't think, oh, they're just having a bad day. A child of eight typically doesn't really have a bad day. I mean, okay, maybe they get upset about something, but if it day after day, they don't, that, that doesn't happen. That's not, right. that's not normal. That's and there's a lot of resources that we have now that we didn't have when I was eight years old. Yep. We're going back years and years and years, a couple decades, right? Yep. Um, more than that. So just pursuing the resources that we have now and letting parents know because children don't always know how to express themselves either. Teenagers don't either. Right. So sitting down with them and going over things, having like a checklist in your mind. Okay. Do you feel lonely? Because what's the answer we get? I don't know what's wrong. I don't know. Okay. But I see that something's different in you. So I'm going to ask you some questions because I love you so much and then get into some detailed questions. Do you feel lonely? Has somebody violated you? Has somebody touched you, forced you into something? When you start to ask these direct questions, they begin to kind of open up a little bit and feel the weight of the question, but also the safety that you're creating for them. So they're more apt to come forward and tell you what's really going on. Yep. Yep. So, okay. So you're eight years old and this happens to you. Did it happen more than once, Tracy? It did. It happened more than once. And it happened to later on, we would find out that he was the neighborhood pedophile. It happened to most of the children that were there. I would escalate into hanging out with older boys and drinking when I was very young. Like I had my first drink at nine, 10, nine, 10 years old. And that was my first introduction to being able to feel peace. There was a calm to my storm that was going on inside of me. So numb. Yes. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to be this person. I want to be able to live in this condition because I don't have to think. I don't have to feel. This is perfect. So then I would run and then I was um, sexually active with boys young. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 866-989-4499 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one hour consultation with Bobby. I believe in my mind trying to recreate what was taken from me. Well, I just want to be loved. I just want to feel safe. And I was getting attention, not feeling worthy. You can't register all these things when you're young. So I'm just acting out in all these behaviors, trying to find my way out of the situation, that would carry on for a whole lot of years, Joni. Mm-hmm. I would just escalate into different things because we turn into teenagers. Teenagers turn into adults. So then I thought, well, if I could just recreate what my parents have, I'll just get married and have a marriage like them. That will solve the problem. I'll just get a career and I'll be successful. That will solve this inner torment that's going on on the inside of me. Meanwhile, I'm just creating more and more consequences, the guilt, the shame, the regret, the consequences just keep building and I'm spiraling out of control. Yep. 
I, I, I can totally see that. And, you know, we've said um, so many times on the podcast that drugs and alcohol become a solution to an earlier problem. And of course, the thing is when you start doing the alcohol, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, so I apologize, but when you start doing the alcohol and you start doing the drugs and you start acting out in that way, you're not addressing what's underlying it, you know, which I, and I understand it's not easy to do, but you know, it become, they become symptoms or solutions at that point. But a question for you, did you, like, did you, in high school, did you kind of know what career path you wanted? Did you know where you wanted to go? I had no idea. Honestly, okay. I had no idea. So that was another part of um, feeling lost. And yep. many people experience this. And when you're you're dealing with trauma and you're on this train of destruction, you're not thinking properly. So I can't even focus on who do I want to be? What right. am I going to I grow up. I'm struggling to even make the grades in high school and things of that nature. And I want to focus on what you just said. Um, drugs and alcohol is not the actual problem. It's how the inward brokenness is manifesting itself, showing itself with any addiction. It's an outward expression of an inward problem that needs to be dealt with. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So you went to college and you graduated and you got a job and you got married? Well, I went to college and graduated later on. So I got my degree when I was older. Okay. Um, but what happened was I got married twice and I was divorced twice. And then I would meet my third husband, which is Daryl Strawberry. So how I met him was a very unique story, Joni, because my first husband, I had my three beautiful sons with. And that marriage was very short-lived. It only lasted a couple of years. My second marriage that I was in lasted, didn't even last a year. So you're seeing this destruction and this dysfunction. Because you were second, still, you were still using at the, during the marriages? I was, I was. And the only time I didn't use, believe it or not, was when I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. I was afraid of harming my babies. But yep. as soon as I had my children, I was right back at it. So the second marriage, when it was falling apart... I had some very strong friends come into my life and say, Tracy, you have a problem. I heard that over and over again. Somebody who's listening, God will always send people into your life. You don't want to hear it, but that's what you need to hear. You have a problem. You need help. Please tell me what's wrong with you. These are all red flag indicators that you need to surrender to hope and help and listen to the hope and help that God is bringing into your world. I finally started to listen, and that would lead me into meeting my husband. Okay. Would you say, I, and I do want to talk about how you met him, because I think um, I think it is so representative of the care that you have for people in general. But you said you lost custody of your children. Would you say that was where you kind of decided for yourself you needed to get help, or...? I, my fear of losing custody of them was when, after I divorced the second time, was when I finally surrendered to hope and help. There was a woman in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is just a secular program for people who are trying to overcome alcoholism. And Narcotics Anonymous is for people who are trying to overcome drug addiction. Right. I started attending these meetings and my fear was that my ex-husband, their father, would find out, and he did, and um, come after me for custody of my sons, which is what ultimately happened. So I'm getting clean and sober, 
And I'm fighting in my mind. I'm hoping that this isn't going to be my reality. But I was one year clean and sober and just meeting Daryl. So there's the timeline is hard to follow. So I'm just trying. So I'm one year clean and sober. Now I'm faced with the lawsuit, my biggest fear. So I have to decide, am I going to still go on the path of recovery? Am I still going to go after God with everything I have? Or am I going to get angry because it didn't turn out the way I thought it would? So I'm staying on the path of restoration and the case has just presented itself to me. So I haven't lost yet, but then I'm meeting Daryl Strawberry at the same time, (laughs) who would eventually become my third husband. But that's really fast forward into the story. And you didn't know who he was. Tell us how you met him and what prompted you to even meet him, really. Absolutely. We were at a recovery convention. And I knew the name Daryl Strawberry, but I am not a sports fan at all. So I didn't really know his accolades. I knew that like he was something great, but I saw him on TV in orange jumpsuits. And I remember my dad saying, what's wrong with this guy? Like, how can you be in jail and be this great? So that's all I knew of Daryl Strawberry. I met him at the recovery convention. He walked in the door and literally it was such a sad sight, Joni. It was very sad. I had one year clean and sober. I knew that people like us were at a recovery convention for a reason. Daryl came in and he's this tall six foot six frame. He's so thin. He's so skinny. And he's sitting down in a tall back chair, like soaking into the fabric because He's so frail. They, his friends just pulled him out um, from the back of a dumpster because he was using and he was missing. They found him. They brought him to this recovery convention. And all I could see was this people surrounding him still wanting to pull. They wanted an autograph. They wanted Daryl Strawberry, the strong home run hitter. They wanted their pictures. And it just made me sick. And it made me angry because I'm like, I don't care who this guy is. He's almost dead This man is dying and you're still pulling from a dead vessel of something or someone that doesn't even exist. He's about to lose his life. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com. Or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, or call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Right. And it's very sad. Wow. But you, what did you do? I had come to the convention. I had I was the driver. I had driven several people there, and we the some of the people that I had driven were great friends of mine, helping me in my recovery. And they were great friends with Daryl. They were sitting next to Daryl. They were holding my keys. I was ready to leave. I couldn't even watch this anymore. It was so difficult. Walked over, asked for my keys, and our, our mutual friend said, "By the way, have you met Daryl Strawberry?" And I just looked over, I said, it's nice to meet you. And I started to get up and go. I was like, now can I have my keys? And Daryl had to hold on to the arm of the tall back chair because he was that frail. And he grabbed onto my shoulder and he said, could you stay a while? Could you stay a while? And I did. And I was just immediately drawn to the greatness 
in such a warm heart, even though he was broken and dysfunctional, we would go through a whole lot later. You could see the genuine care and concern inside of the man of who Daryl Strawberry was. Forget the baseball player, the greatness of the soul of the person. And that's inside each and every one of us who are struggling and suffering with addiction. I saw it in Daryl and we ended up talking for three hours the whole night. We never talked about baseball. We talked about our brokenness yeah. and all that we were going through. But see, I think that story, it's a beautiful story, absolutely beautiful. And I think it shows, yes, the care in him, but more than that, the care in you, that you could see the being who was Daryl Strawberry and the beauty that was there. And I think that that's, that's huge. And I think that with what you have since gone on to become and what you're doing now, um, and how long have you guys been married now? We've been married 16 years now. Yeah. So you obviously that was, that was a really good thing. <laughs> yes. It was a hard thing in the beginning, but yes. We so he, cause you said, I think you said he was just starting to get into recovery. If his friends had just brought him there while he was using, did you then have to kind of help him through the whole recovery process? Yes, I tried to do that. And that's a whole nother, a whole nother subject in and of itself was operating in codependency because I was running hard into my recovery and Daryl would try, but he wasn't giving it his all. So he continued to relapse. I continued to rescue. So there's a codependency portion on the inside of me. Uh, you know, I have a love, enough love for both of us. I have enough faith for both of us. You know, I can help you. I can make you, I can change you. And we just can't, you know, you have to be willing. And that person, I hear people say all the time, Joni, well, I haven't reached my bottom yet. Well, your bottom doesn't choose you. You choose your bottom. Your bottom is what you choose it to be when you say enough is enough and I'm going to stop if you're fortunate enough that you don't die out there first. And that's the thing I tell people all the time. Daryl was still running hard. I had to let Daryl go. We had to separate. I had to break up with him mm -hmm. and say, God, I can't, I can't change him. But that got his attention and it was very hard and it was very difficult. But then his focus was not on me with me rescuing him, cleaning up for him, covering up, lying, cleaning up his messes. Now he was faced to have to look at those things and make a decision on how he was going to pursue his own recovery in his own life. Yep. And you make a very, very good point. And I know that our listeners, um, I hope they understand this. Like you don't, you don't go into recovery for your wife or your daughter or your parents or your friends. You have to do it for yourself. You have to know that you are worth it to go yeah. through recovery and become clean and sober that you you're worth it, you know, Absolutely. but, in, but until you do that, it, you're, you're not going to get better, you know, and for loved ones who are listening as much as you want recovery for your son or daughter or brother or friend, they have to want it themselves and you, you can't want it for them. That's right. And that's why it's so painful because addiction is a life 
or death decision. It's like no other conversation that we can have. That's why desperation sets in. That's why codependency is so strong. That's why love is so strong. And families are saying, how do we navigate? That's why I have resources on our websites for families. The individuals, how do I break free from addiction tracing? That's that's the heartbeat of my life now, Joni, is providing not only hope, but help resources for families who are going through it with a loved one, for individuals who are afflicted by addiction like I was and Daryl was to such a severe place to say, you can do it. You are worth it. There are ways that we navigate this thing. And we are here to support and to help those who have lost loved ones. This is our heartbeat because these are somebody's sons and daughters and family members. I don't care how far down the scale you've gone. You're worth it. Your family member's worth it. Each and every one of you, you're worth it. But you have to reach out. Whoever's listening, whether you're a family member or you're the one suffering, you have to reach out for the hope and help that's given. You have to stick and stay no matter what. It's hard. It's difficult. But the journey is worth it. Daryl and I are living miracles of how this happens. Amen. And you can do it. You can do it. But you need help. You can't do it alone. And you, you segue quite perfectly into my next question, which is, what are these websites? Tell me these websites um, so that we can post them for our listeners because um, the people listening, I know they want help. So there you go. Good. TracyStrawberry.com or FindingYourWay.com are a quick way to get to our resources that are on there. Also, my new book, The Courage to Heal, Moving Beyond Your Habits, Your Past, and Your Pain, is on Amazon. That's a quick way to get it. It's also on our website. But I do encourage you for workbooks and resources that I have written that are not on Amazon, but are on our website to go to tracystrawberry.com. It's probably easier to remember since I'm the one that they're hearing. So tracystrawberry.com. And the other one was finding your courage? Finding your way. Finding your way. That's right. Thank you. And you know, um, I like the title of your book, The Courage to Heal, because, you know, the other thing that I think people need to know, you know, so often, um, and I've heard this from both sides of the coin, both the person in recovery and the loved one, you know, the thought is from the loved one, why can't they just stop, you know, and it takes courage. It's, it's, it's an addiction. It's physically, mentally and spiritually addictive. And the person who is going to go through recovery, it's not easy. They have to have courage. It's not just a matter of like, oh, okay, I won't use today. I'm all done. Absolutely. And courage is required on both sides, Joni. I love Because courage means this. Courage means you are facing fear that overwhelms you. Courage means you're facing pain that overwhelms you. Courage means you're facing choices that you have to make that are going to be so painful you don't know how it's going to turn out. Courage means to have the mental capacity and the spiritual capacity to be able to face the fear, face the pain, and make the right choices to overcome regardless of the outcome and things that we cannot control. So in my new book, 
I talk about the deep things. Joni, there's not a resource that I don't write, that I don't talk <laughs> about the hard things. Yep. All the way down to answering the questions in some of my resources. What if my loved one dies? What if my loved one goes to jail and they're incarcerated? What if my loved one becomes homeless? I deal with these things. Somebody needs to talk about it. Individuals, Tracy, how do I overcome a life where I lost custody of my kids? I was raped. I was abused. I was a prostitute. I did things that nobody knows. I talk about all those things. Let's get into those things so hearts can be healed and we can become whole. Addiction is a demon. I call it like none other. It mm -hmm. owns the person, but there is a way out. There is a way out for families, family members. How do you live in a healthy condition while your loved one is still out there without your marriage falling apart, without you falling apart? How do you love someone and not leave them, but not lose yourself in the loving? These are the things I talk about in my new book and in my resources. And those are very tough issues. And when you talked about courage, the one thing I kind of wanted to interject was also guilt because there's so much guilt that is involved in it, whether it's, I feel guilty because I'm a mom and my son now is an addict, or I feel guilty because I'm an addict and I keep acting in ways that I know my loved ones don't like. So guilt is I, just another aspect of it. But I, it sounds to me, and based on what I know of you, you are addressing the tough questions. And I think that's what people need to hear. Um, you know, this is not... This is not just a pat on the hand and everything's going to be okay. And it's also, you know, it's not pretty. A lot of people want to hide it, whether it's themselves or their loved ones. And part of all of that is you have to, you have to have the courage to say there is a problem and obviously I'm not handling it. So I need help. Absolutely. And that's what we try to, you know, Daryl and I try our, our hardest to create a safe place for people. I'm talking about my things in hopes that you will come forward and be able to talk about the darkness. Remember, we talked about the secrets, like we're only as sick as our secrets, that yep. darkness will continue to hold us and own us. So until we face what is really going on, addiction is messy. There's a reason for the addiction and it's usually trauma. It's usually something that has happened and we make these horrible choices. Now we're trying to carry the guilt, weight, shame, and regret the weight of those things. We can't carry it. That's what keeps us sick. We have to talk about these things. And that's why we provide a safe place. Okay, let's talk about this because it's happened. We can't change it, but we can change the future. We can't change our present and say, I don't want to be this person anymore. How do I get healed from these wounds, get past the trauma, get past the pain? And how do I do that one day at a time, one step at a time without checking out of the process? Yep. I also want to bring up the facility that you founded and um, with the program that, as you told us when we were talking, that it is a six-month program, which I think is huge. Can you yes. talk a little bit about that program? Because there may be people listening who want to take advantage of it. Absolutely. And actually, our pastors are the founders of the program. Um, it's the Troy Dream Center. It's a residential program for men. In Troy, Missouri, that's a six-month program, a residential recovery program, a Christ-centered program that is free. And our pastors, Jesse and Missy Kiros, have started that. And Daryl and I came alongside because they use our curriculum. And one of the main things that I do is I'm a consultant and I help people 
open up resources of help and hope, right? Because they're hand in hand. So this is a church that I've come alongside. It's our home church that we've come alongside. They use our curriculum. We fundraise for them. We're a huge part of it. And it's another resource for not only the individuals, but the families to find the help they need. I think that's huge. You know, so often we talk to um, people in recovery and they give, want to give back. And you and Daryl both, because I know he does a lot of public speaking, you and Daryl both give back on steroids. You know, you didn't you didn't just go, let's go have a few talks and we see if we can help a couple people. You guys are really, really putting your money where your mouth is, if you will, and putting your faith and your love and your caring out there for hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions. And I think that that's huge. Thank you, Joni. And it's our honor and privilege. We've suffered with it as individuals. We've gone through it with some of our children. We've gone through it in our marriage where I was clean and sober and he was not. So we know it from a parent perspective. Our compassion for people because it's personal to us. So we know how personal it is for people. And we've dedicated our lives to it, that other lives, the prayer is that other lives would be saved, that other families would be saved, marriages, children would be reconciled to their families. And what we want to just keep saying is it can be done. It can be done. And when we do our part and when we give back and when others give back to the same thing that we were pulled out of and healed from, oh my goodness, that's how we make a difference. That's how it's going to work. That's how people can be saved, rescued, redeemed, and restored. Yep. And that is our prayer as well. So once again, um, resources, tracystrawberry.com and her new book, The Courage to Heal available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Tracy, give us one last beautiful thought to leave us with. You're worth it. You're worth it. Reach out for the help that you need because you're worth it. Family member, you are worth it. Reach out for the help you need. There's no guilt and shame here. None at all. Reach out. You're worth it. Beautiful. If that interview doesn't give you hope, I don't know what will. She is such a lovely woman, such an inspiring speaker, such a caring person, and someone who knows from whence she speaks. And the whole purpose that she has is what we have, which is to tell you that there is hope. You just have to reach out for it. There's help available. Once again, her website is Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, Strawberry, Com, tracystrawberry.com. Her new book is called The Courage to Heal, H-E-A-L, and it's on Amazon. We'll be back again with another interview. You have been listening to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.